0: Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart podcast. John Eldridge here, and excited, actually, to air this episode. This is installment number five in our multi-part series on spiritual warfare. Now, we've been trying to build a theology, ground us in the scriptures, build a worldview— Up through the first four episodes, and in episodes three and four, then we began to focus directly on how do you deal with dark spirits? How do you deal with demons? And how the victory of Christ gives us absolutely everything we need to take care of that. Today, we're going to turn a corner because another very, very significant category in the whole spiritual warfare realm is something that out there in kind of the vernacular gets called soul ties. And this is not when we are encountering opposition from foul spirits. This is actually complicated entanglements with people that often allows a good deal of spiritual oppression in our lives. And so here's what we've done. We did a marvelous series on this literally almost five years ago to the day. So how coincidental is that? And Craig McConnell... My wife, Stacy and I got into the studio and we very carefully walked through the scriptures, the perspectives. Wait, what do you mean about soul ties? How do you deal with it when it's a person and not a foul spirit? Because you could rebuke foul spirits, but you deal very lovingly with people. And so how does that work and what's the difference? We thought this would be very appropriate to this series. So we're going to drop in this episode this week on Soul Ties. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Hello, friends. I'm John Eldridge, and with me today in the studio also is Craig McConnell and my wife, Stacy. And the topic that we want to bring to you today is so important really, it could have come in a series that we did on relationships. It could have come in a series on inner healing. It certainly could fit well within a series on spiritual warfare. The topic that we want to bring before you is the concept of soul ties, meaning unhealthy bonds between people. Soul ties is a fairly controversial topic in the church, I think partly just because of language, perhaps, partly because of a lack of a scriptural understanding. So I think it will help if we begin with the idea that human beings are given certain capacities by God. We have capacities that can be used in healthy or unhealthy ways. For example, our capacity for worship Right God has given every human being the capacity to worship and that was because we were supposed to worship God but my goodness you read the old testament i was just reading in second chronicles last night about some of the fallen kings of israel and they brought in worship of false gods people will worship all kinds of other things than god right it's a good capacity but it can be taken in healthy or unhealthy directions.
1: Yeah. Another one, John, I'm thinking of would be our capacity for imagination. God gave us an imagination. It's how we think. It's how we process, view things, and that could be used for good or for bad.
0: Exactly. Right. You can create beautiful works out of imagination but you can also go some pretty dark places with it.
1: Yeah, I think you can slide from reality to fantasy and get lost there. Right.
2: Or how about our capacity to love, right? We're human beings. We're made to love, created to Mm -hmm. love. We want to connect, to uh, have intimacy, and we're given this capacity to love God first and then to love others. But people love all kinds of things. We love money. We love the opinion of others, We love the reflection in the mirror, or we don't. It gets messy.
0: Yeah, it gets messy, right? And so another big example, friends, would be the capacity for sex, sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a beautiful and holy capacity given to human beings by God. Mm -hmm. And it can be used in holy ways within the context of marriage. And it can be used in unholy ways. And God doesn't take away these capacities simply because they can be expressed in unholy ways or simply unhealthy ways, we have capacities. And the capacity I want to focus on today is Scripture describes that human beings also have the capacity to bond. Mm -hmm. And we can bond in healthy and unhealthy ways with one another. Let me first give kind of the scriptural examples of healthy bonding. Let me start with one of the famous passages on bonding from Matthew 19 here, where Jesus is teaching on marriage and divorce, and he says, Haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That idea of leaving and cleaving with one another, cleave being the translation in the King James Version, or Paul talking about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. And then in Colossians, he kind of builds and expands on that idea. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. And what's interesting is that word actually means knit together. Mm. That's the translation in the King James, knit together in love. And a little bit later in the same chapter of Colossians 2, verse 18, he's talking about Christ our head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. And that idea of held together is knit together, same word. In the Greek, we are knit together in Christ, that's a good and healthy bond. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, the verse that I began our session with, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, same word, Mm. for knit together. And here it's the bond of peace between Christians. So we're united in Christ, we're united in love, we're united in peace. These would be examples of healthy bonding, the capacity that's given to us by God. And see, all of these bonds are created by the Holy Spirit, and they're created in love in and through Jesus Christ. But then the scripture also describes bonds that human beings can form in unhealthy ways. From 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, Paul is saying, do you not know? that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now, Paul's giving the example of an unholy bonding here. And yes, in this context, it's very clearly a bond that's formed sexually. Soul ties, unhealthy bonds can be formed sexually. But what's interesting is that the word that Paul uses for uniting here with a prostitute is used elsewhere in the New Testament, not in sexual ways at all, but simply to infer a joining together. So it's not merely a sexual concept. And in fact, Paul uses the same word for uniting with Jesus. Okay, same word. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in a context that actually has nothing to do with prostitution or temple prostitution or that sort of corrupt sexuality, Paul is simply teaching, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So here he's urging, be very careful who you are yoked with. And then, What's really fascinating, that passage that I quoted earlier about cleaving, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, that same word is used in the book of Acts to describe something that's clearly outside the marriage bond or even the marriage bed. They've arrested the disciples for preaching in the name of Jesus, and they're trying to decide what to do with them. And then a very good man, Gamaliel, stands up in the Sanhedrin, and he orders that the disciples be put outside for a moment. And then it goes like this in Acts chapter 5, verse 35. It says, Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him or joined to him. He was killed. And all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. Now, what's fascinating about this obscure passage is that's the same word as "cleave to your wife." Now, we don't know what these four hundred men did, some sort of pagan you know blood-brother ritual, or you know what have you, but it's this idea of humans can form unholy bonds, unholy ties. we can take this capacity that we're given for bonding and we can use it in healthy or unhealthy ways. We're given this beautiful capacity for bonding by God, but sometimes that capacity can form unholy ties, far beyond unholy sexual ties, though it certainly encompasses that. And so you have a very clear scriptural description here of the healthy and the unhealthy ways this can be expressed. I want to give a couple of examples of what we mean by unhealthy soul ties. And I'll start just with a man that I was counseling a number of years ago. It's actually a fairly common story. In this case, his father passed away when he was a young man, and his mother turned to him, as often happens for emotional support, and that kind of thing. But the problem was it carried on over years. And he really actually ended up becoming a kind of surrogate spouse to her. He really kind of took the place of her husband emotionally, spiritually, even financially. And what happened over time was a very deep kind of bonding took place there that was never meant to take place between a mother and her son. Yes, a woman and her husband, mm. right? But here you have the capacity for bonding in this woman being attached to her son. And he couldn't get out of it. He didn't feel like there were things he couldn't ever bring up with his mom. There was a distance he didn't feel like he could create there. He felt trapped in the relationship because there was this very powerful clinging bond that had been established in their relationship
2: speaking of soul ties with moms i can just speak to that a little bit as a mother myself but also having had a really strong one with my mother which i used to describe not just as a tie but as a bridge you know out of metal rope a mm. really strong one um Mothers have a a beautiful bond with their children, and where it can get into trouble is when the child grows up and is an adult, and if the mother still wants to exert control over her adult child's life through worry or through manipulation or a variety. Clinging. Yeah, clinging, all kinds of ways. Well, that borders then and an ungodly soul tie. And I'm speaking from experience here, not on my son's behalf, but on my own, when I would talk with my mom on the phone or wake up in the middle of the night thinking about her, I would feel so differently Mm. at the end of the conversation than I had when I entered into it. And I would become aware that things that my mother struggled with really low self-worth, diminishment as a person, as a human Mm. being, would come on so heavy on me. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. The spirit of being overwhelmed by life, by the responsibilities, things that maybe I could do on a normal day were suddenly just Mm. too much for me. And then I would remember, or my husband would point out to me, that you were feeling that way before you talked to your mom. Oh, So I would pray, bless my mom, sever ungodly soul ties with her, send her spirit back to her own body where it belonged, and I would immediately feel better, freer, lighter, not overwhelmed anymore. It's kind of amazing.
0: You see, the fruit of it is really important, friends. We're going to unpack this some more. We're going to walk through this, but what we've described as the scriptural basis for bonding and scriptural examples of healthy bonding, and scriptural examples of unhealthy bonding. And then as you begin to get into the details of what soul ties look and feel like, it's that inability to move past the relationship. It's that feeling cling, controlled, held to. Stace, your experience of suddenly you find yourself— feeling everything they're feeling,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Or a really big example is experiencing their warfare right? where, you know, 10 minutes earlier, you weren't yourself.
1: Yeah, John, I'm thinking of a a man that I know who had a very deep friendship with another man and good friends, a lot of history, a lot of experiences, joy together in an appropriate, wonderful friendship. That over the years as they did some business ventures and worked together on projects, there was a connection that was part business, part friendship that grew very, very deep. And a tragedy just affected the relationship and there was this uh, breaking of the friendship and the business agreements. And this man came to me with just this overwhelming inability to leave that behind, move on. I think I'd use the word paralyzed by the loss of friendship, the loss of the business, and deeply disturbed, and really couldn't do much in terms of focusing, regaining kind of his balance, his place. He just wasn't free. There was a inordinate amount of control or power or influence or effect from this relationship that mm. that really stunted him. And where that ended up going, John, was the two of us praying, breaking this tie in the name, the power, and the authority of Christ, and renouncing that in him just feeling a new freedom, a lost freedom that he had to kind of re-enter life and deal appropriately, grieve the loss of friendship, business, and so on and so sure, forth. Sure, But he now is free to deal with the issues of life, not kind of laden with this tie to this person in their relationship.
0: Mm. Soul ties can be formed by controlling parents. Yes, absolutely. But also controlling bosses really anyone trying to exert control or manipulation over your life. But they can also be formed by insecure people who obsess about you, worry about what you think about them, try and get you to love them, appreciate them, validate them, come through for them, sort of cling to you in that way. In fact, have you had the experience where you find yourself thinking about someone And suddenly the phone rings.
2: Oh, all the time. And it's them. And it's them.
0: (laughs) What do you know? Yes. Gang, do you understand what's going on there? The reason you were thinking about them is they were thinking about you. And then they called you, right? And you began to experience their presence before the phone ever rang, right? Suddenly you find yourself thinking about them. Or another way is when you're obsessing about them. Right? And you're having conversations with them and they're not in the room. Right? Come on. You've all done this. That's
2: when I'm my most brilliant, when they're not actually there. (laughs) Right? Yes. In the
0: car. Right. Thinking of what you'll say to them. Or I should have said. Thinking of what you should have said. Okay. Another example would be someone that you were once in relationship with. A guy that I counseled had a very – intimate, not sexual, but intimate romantic relationship in high school with his first girlfriend. And years later in his marriage, he couldn't get rid of her letters. Mm, He couldn't let go. There was still some part of him that was literally back in that other relationship. Knit together. They were knit together, Mm. right? And it was only once he severed that old bond— really severed it that he was finally able to move with freedom into a wholehearted relationship with his with his wife mm-hmm. with his new relationship.
1: Yeah. I had the opportunity just to get to know and spend some time with just this wonderful woman just so in love with God went through a painful unjust divorce and lost so much in the in the process her home, her children's respect and her role and place in the church. And it just seems so unfair and unjust and wrong and such a violation. And in her pain, she got close to a married man who was counseling her. And wouldn't you know, it turns into an affair Mm. that quickly was stopped. It didn't go any farther. But that affair that she had just ruined her in terms of she couldn't shake this guy, some of the words he said, some of the compliments he gave her. He had no intention of any relationship. This was just kind of an immoral passing of two lonely, hurt people. But she was crippled by this man, what she had done, the sin, the shame, and then feeling all kinds of things from him, even though it was a a one-night stand, per se. Even uh, years later? This was for two years. Wow. And as you're describing soul ties, John, there's some bridge established that not only did they have a physical relationship, but she got his warfare, his brokenness, his cynicism, mm-hmm. all of that. And it wasn't until in the course of time that she really saw that was bigger than an affair. It was this covenant she made, this attachment, this connecting, that she had to break it. But I've actually seen that, probably as you have, and Stacy as well, with a lot of folks who just sexually have some outside-of-the-bounds relationship. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because Scripture is very clear that sexual bonds can create these unholy ties. Again, the word that Paul uses for uniting there is the same word he uses for us uniting ourselves to Christ. So, yes, and yet not only in sexual ways. Right. We've been describing them within family systems, parents having soul ties with their adult children, unable to release them, or the children unable to release their parents. Mm-hmm. The gentleman that became the surrogate husband that I was describing earlier, part of that was his inability to trust his mom to God, you know, and coming through for her in, in unholy ways.
2: And. Part of this can get confusing because of the command to honor your father and your mother. And so we can tend to think that we need to honor them, which means we need to stay in every and any kind of unhealthy relationship versus leaving and cleaving, you know? It just can get a little confusing. We think we're honoring them by allowing them access to our lives and control when That's not love.
0: It's not love because you do have both commands. You Mm -hmm. have honor your father and mother. You also have leave. Right. Leave and cleave as well. I'll get into that in a moment when we talk about the cross of Christ. But let me try and name some of the symptoms. How do you know when a soul tie is operating? Again, every human being has the capacity to bond. But sometimes that capacity for bonding You know, gets attached in relationships where it should not be, just as we can worship things we're not supposed to worship, just as we can love things we're not supposed to love, right? right? Just as we can take our imagination places we're not supposed to. You know, this is a good capacity for bonding, but it can be taken like any other capacity in unhealthy ways. How do you know? Like, what are the symptoms when you think a soul tie is operating?
2: I'll tell you a first clue for me is an obsessive thinking. I was just on a walk this morning and this person came to my mind again and I didn't even catch it until I'm thinking about them, thinking about them, thinking about them. And For went, about 10 minutes, yes, right? Yes, And well, what they must be feeling, what I should have said, but oh, here they are again. What am I doing? You know, bless them, release them, break the soul tie and or emotion. Sometimes before mm-hmm. I'm even with a person. Their emotions that they're feeling or what they're struggling with, I feel the weight of it. I'm struggling with it because this is just for mystery, right? We're spirit too. So it's gone before their spirit has come to me. This past Christmas, I was in a really great place. I was happy, holiday ish, festive, on my way, I'm gonna go to the post office, mail some packages. I'm ahead of schedule, everything's going great. When I had, in the middle of that, a conversation, over the phone, with a woman whose life isn't great, really in a desperate place, devastated, feeling hopeless, and was able just to talk and love, listen, did not break soul ties. Then I'm going to the post office, and suddenly my joy is gone. Life is awful. I'm hopeless. This is devastating. There's nothing good coming. When I realize, oh my goodness, this is her warfare. This isn't mine. These are her emotions. These aren't mine. So to be able then to recognize it, make every effort to have only the bond of peace, sever the soul tie, and then I'm back. I'm happy again.
0: I remember that. I mean, it was like night and day. You were happy. Suddenly this dark cloud came over you. You were desolate, discouraged. Who cares about life? You know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then you get back to your car, pray about it you know bring the cross of christ between you and this dear gal and you're back joy is back christmas is back it was so dramatic the presence of feelings that weren't yours previously right. obsessive thinking about people yeah. certainly the presence or the transfer of their warfare to you
2: mm-hmm.
1: boy stacy you nailed on on a couple i'd say the same thing it seems to me that almost any meaningful relationship, inevitably, you have to battle with soul ties. I just oh, think this of, is
2: true. I think
1: you just think of friendships mm-hmm. where suddenly in terms of a symptom, I realize that I'm either feeling enormous pressure to avoid being loving in some strong, courageous way, confronting way, mm-hmm. bringing up disruptive issues or questions. I'm pulling back from that. Or I feel the pressure to come through, to rescue, to make their world, their life a little bit better. So, you know, friendships, I'm just aware, are are a key place, kind of fertile ground for that. Mm -hmm. With the feelings, I just totally agree. One of the symptoms I have is simply I'm just not free. There's something in me that's drying up. And I may not be able to name it or see that it's a particular person but one of my categories in prayer, daily prayer, and just my prayers is, Lord, I break all soul ties. Have I made any? And uh-huh. I'm amazed at you know an encounter, ten minute conversation in a parking lot or with someone I saw that day or spent an hour on the phone with mm-hmm. pops up. so the symptom for me is just a sense of just drying up, feeling consumed and dissipated is one for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, gang, just think of it in terms of capacities. Think of how people are with money. You know, money is a good gift. The scripture does not look at money as evil. Scriptures are filled with that to be blessed of the Lord is a good thing and then it helps you be generous. And it says a generous man will himself be blessed and all of that. But people can obsess about money. They can worry about money. If they get money, they cling to it and don't let it go. You see what I'm talking about? Same dynamic here with relationship. You just imagine yourself, we are broken people on our way to restoration, but filled with a world of broken people, surrounded by very broken people all around us. And everyone has this capacity for bonding, but my goodness- They don't know how to use it in holy ways. And so these soul Mm -hmm. ties are getting formed, right, in the context of a very broken world. Um, Continuing on with some symptoms, I think that one, Craig, about you don't feel free of them, Mm -hmm. that's a really big one. And that obviously ties into the obsessive thinking or that ties into worry, compulsion, inability to distance yourself You know, just that sense of I don't feel free in this relationship Mm -hmm. to either move away or bring certain things up. That would be a very good indication. And again, we mentioned that other one about, you know, waking up in the night or driving in your car and finding that you're having conversations with someone.
2: Right. It's never a good idea to talk with someone who's not in the room. Right. Exactly. It's not, gang. Yeah. It's not.
0: And. One of the ways that Soul Ties actually came onto our radar is in praying for other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mentioned at the top of this recording that the whole concept of Soul Ties could fit very well in a series on relationships. It could fit very well in a series on inner healing, and it could fit very well in a series on warfare because that's where we discovered it was mm-hmm. as people came to us for prayer and you know we would begin to kind of focus on the presence of God and kind of awaken our spiritual gifting, kind of tune in to the spiritual world around us, not only did we become aware of perhaps a demon that was present in the room that needed to be dealt with, but we became aware of, wow, your father is here. And they would immediately look at us with wide eyes and go, oh my gosh, I just had a huge fight with my father on my way over here on the phone. He's such a controlling man. He's so angry with me. I feel so disappointing to him and whoa 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 whoa. Okay. We're not dealing with a foul spirit. This mm-hmm. is a different thing. We're actually dealing with a human being and there is an unhealthy bond here. Right? So, or in inner healing sessions, we would, you know, try and be praying with people through just the healing of memories. And they would be unable to get past a certain memory, unable to get past a certain event. And what we would Mm. discover is, oh, back then, there was a soul tie that was formed that has never been broken. So let me go to breaking it, because I think that as we begin to bring all these pieces together, clarity will really come. One of my favorite passages is Paul in Galatians 6 where he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The word that Paul uses there for the world is cosmos. And if you look up in any kind of Bible dictionary, Greek lexicon, the cosmos means the circle of the earth, the inhabitants of the earth, Men, the human family, the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God, world affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, or the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, advantages, pleasures. In other words, everything. Yeah. Paul is saying that the cross of Jesus Christ changes my relationship to the world and to people, to all People, through the cross, I've been crucified to them and they to me. And this is where the holiness in relationship, the restoration, the healing of this deep brokenness in humanity can come back in. The cross breaks unholy bonds. Praying the cross of Christ between you and another person, breaking every unholy tie, certainly Sexual bonds with them outside of marriage, but also all kinds of other bonds romantic, fantasy, bonds with controlling people, obsessing people. The cross of Christ breaks every unholy bond. But listen, the cross of Christ does not break holy bonds. And so we don't have to be afraid here of, oh no, you know, I don't want to break. You know, relationship with this person. Listen, you're not rejecting that person when you bring right. the cross of Jesus Christ between you and them. You are not severing relationship. You are simply severing anything unholy. And this is really going to help people because I've noticed in particular that women seem to have a difficult time breaking soul ties. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, you know, when I first learned about it, I I thought it sounded mean because <laughs> like, you're not being connected anymore. You're not loving. And, and as women, we are so deeply relational. One of the ways we bear the image of God, our susceptibility to forming them is heightened. And, and I like connection. I like, you know, knowing and having feeling what people are feeling. So yeah, it felt like it was being mean, like a rejection versus a blessing because the soul tie is a two way street. You know, we're getting their warfare, but they're getting ours, too. So really, it's a kind thing to do.
0: Yeah. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to restore the holiness in the relationship. Yes. Paul tells us the only bond that we are to preserve is the bond through Jesus Christ, right? Make every effort. Right. The scriptures urge us to preserve those healthy bonds, those holy bonds, So the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't break holy bonds.
2: Oh, that's just so important. That's so good. Yes. But
0: the cross of Jesus Christ does break unholy bonds. You know, in very clear circumstances such as sexual sin, most people find that they cannot find sexual wholeness until they bring and pray the cross of Jesus Christ between them and everyone that they have been sexually involved with prior to marriage or outside of the marriage covenant. Mm -hmm. And then having done that, the fruit of it is so beautiful, the freedom, the restoration, the wholeness. I mentioned the gentleman who had become kind of a surrogate husband to his mom in the passing of his father. The beautiful thing about that story is once he brought the cross of Christ between him and his mom he was actually able to be a son again. Yes. Love her, mm-hmm. be there for her, mm-hmm. you bet, but not be husband and not carry her no more obsessive thinking. Mm-hmm. All of that went away. Yeah. And so you shall know them by their fruit, friends. <laughs> we simply encourage you try This, you shall know them by their fruit, that freedom that you were describing, Craig, between that two men that, you know, had the business relationship, the friendship, the years together. And, you know, once the cross of Christ was brought between them deliberately, out loud, in prayer, with intention, bring the cross of Christ here, then there was release and the ability to move on, the ability to let people go to no longer carry them, worry about them, obsess over them. Let me describe what this looks like. I bring the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ between me and fill in the blank. Who is it? Mom, brother, friend, old girlfriend, old boyfriend, former husband, former wife, okay? I have been crucified to them, as Galatians says, And they have been crucified to me through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is biblical. And so by the cross of Christ, I break every unhealthy bond, every soul tie with this person. I command their human spirit bound back to their body. I send all of their sin, their warfare, all of their struggles back to the work of Christ in their life and I forbid it to transfer to me. And here's the beautiful part, gang. And I allow only Jesus Christ between us. I allow only the love of God and only the bond of the Holy Spirit between us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an example of how to pray. And the beautiful thing is, That's all you want between you and any person is the love of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God. You don't want anything else. And so this isn't rejection. This isn't breaking healthy, good, loving bonds. This is simply being free of unholy bonds because in this broken world with all of these broken people, this capacity to bond is is glomming onto you in all kinds of ways on a pretty regular basis.
2: See, this is so hopeful, John, too, because there's a lot of people out there that have just chosen to withdraw from relationships or friendships because they don't know how healthy, how good, how loving it can be, that they can actually be free in them. And all they've experienced is controlling or manipulation or sorrow. Now, you can actually be free and love people, enjoy mm-hmm. them, offer. And when you leave, you leave. You know, like there's just goodness to be had oh, here. Oh, my
1: goodness. You don't have to carry them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tacking on to that, Stacey, just the thought that relationships and just the rhythms and over time to know that, that this relationship, what may be thwarting it, what may be diminishing it, may be the issue of soul ties. Get that out of the way relationship retains or recovers its healthy dynamic. Yes, Picking up on your point, this is what thwarts so much community Mm -hmm. is soul ties, that when removed, we actually engage in one another's life in our present ways that that we lose because of soul ties. So let me ask you too, how do you practice this? Like
0: where and when do you find you need to do this? What are the kind of the circumstances that would be good to practice this in?
1: For me, John, one, it's a part of kind of my daily prayer and mm-hmm. discipline is just to go through the category soul ties. But I anticipate it when I'm going into a meeting that I know is either emotional or important or disruptive. I can expect this dynamic is going to be at play. and I want to come against it prior to that by just bringing the cross Christ between me and that person. And then a lot of times it's after a time with somebody. If you can read your heart, I just feel the subtle shift of something changed in me as there was a time with that person. And I just, kind of as a matter of category, I just break any tie or any soul connection here that's inappropriate and that is robbing, taking my freedom. In coloring what I think of this person and mm-hmm. how I'm going to live the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: that's so good. For me as well, it would be a, a daily thing. And you know, part of my spiritual discipline and praying the daily prayer includes severing soul ties. So I begin my day that way. I end my day that way. But mm-hmm. in the living of life, in the dailiness, where I'm finding it as well, is in simply being attentive to what I'm thinking. When a person is worrying about me or perhaps how I'm thinking about them, or if I'm worrying about another person, they come to my mind, but not in a way that I'm praying for them, in a way that I'm worrying or concerned. I'm growing and being quick then to break an unhealthy bond, an unhealthy soul tie. And then instead, pray for them, pray for them, and then move on in my day.
0: Mm, That's so good. I would say anything that's a ministry setting, anytime Mm. you're counseling someone or you're intervening for them, you're trying to rescue a marriage or save a traumatized person, any sort of ministry intervention, by all means, before I go, I keep the cross of Christ between us. And especially after it's over, when I'm leaving, get back in my car. Again, this is not judgment, cursing, rejection. It's just I only want Jesus Christ between us. Mm-hmm. I only want the love of God. That's what we're aiming for. And so, as I'm driving away, I bring the cross of Jesus Christ now between me and this person, and I break any form of unhealthy bond or tie with them. I mean, it's really that simple. But I would also say extended family, mm-hmm. you know, relatives, family gatherings, holidays. This is going to be so helpful, friends. Oh, my goodness. But even also in the context of simply praying for people, and I don't mean in their presence, just, Uh you know, in our prayers, I pray for people, I intercede, I intervene for people in my private prayer times with God. But at the end of those, I release them. Because what I'll find is if I don't, 20 minutes later, I'm obsessing. How are they doing? Did that work? I wonder if that helped. And again, you shall know them by their fruits. It really is as simple as that. Where's the negative fruit? You know, suddenly you're compulsive in the relationship or in your thought life, break the soul tie.
2: You're even naming it. To be obsessing about someone, compulsive in your thoughts towards them, that is not healthy. Right. That's not how you're meant to live.
0: Right. Inability to move freely in the relationship.
2: Mm -hmm. Or to be controlled. If you're being controlled by family, extended family, that's not healthy. That's not how you're meant to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me in our conversation on this that we just need to acknowledge there are different levels of the ties, the connection, the latching on that we do. A 10-minute conversation at the market, the parking lot, is a little different than the tie you made with a dominating parent or spouse or someone like that or
0: a sexual bond from your
1: past yeah and actually i think the deeper and the bigger ones are the harder ones to find but it seems like there is a difference there we just need to be aware of and i guess the question is how do we break those more difficult ones
0: gang this is very important again because right that 10 minute conversation and the Parking lot. And again, this is really important with super oppressed people. You know, if you were intervening for, you know, a homeless person and trying to share with them or help them or offer Christ to them, when you drive away, yes, by all means, I bring the cross of Jesus Christ between me and this person. And I allow only Christ between us. You know, a little three, five minute prayer, we usually take care of that. But my goodness, when you talk about Long historic ties with parents or former lovers, people that you worked for, you know controlling compulsive bosses, things like that what's important to note is you're probably going to need to do this more than once there's this idea that well, I did that, I prayed the cross of Christ between us, and I go, yeah, well, you don't chop a tree down with one swing at it you know strong bonds like this usually take a number of passes to break them and so i would say on a regular basis for a while until the fruit is really present of release and mm. freedom and you know you're not dealing with their warfare anymore and you don't find yourself thinking about them you suddenly a week goes by and you go oh, i haven't even thought about that person Oh, what relief. You go, oh, okay, then, you know.
2: But I am now, so I break soul ties <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Just to that point, John, I just wanted to add that people make soul ties with us much more often than we make them with them. So, yeah, we have to break them again because other people, when they're worrying about us or wanting to control us again because they felt a shift, then they're making a soul tie. That bridge is coming from their direction. But we still can break the soul tie release them back to God.
0: Yeah, that's really important. So if you have people in your life that are probably projecting this to you, and again, using their capacity to bond in unhealthy ways toward you, oh my goodness, as a regular practice, yes, you're going to need to enforce this because they're going to keep trying to reestablish them. So you may have a wonderful time of prayer and cleansing and breaking with them, blessing them in the name of Jesus, allowing only the bond of the Holy Spirit. You know, you feel great, but then they may reproject that thing to you the next day. So just heads up, heads up in those cases, it's going to be more than once. It's going to be a regular practice of, I keep the cross of Christ between me and -and so-and-so. Again, the beauty of this is, The cross of Christ is not going to keep out the love of God. The cross of Christ is not going to keep out all of the goodness that's Mm. meant to flow between Mm. people. You're not doing anything wrong by practicing Galatians 6.14. There's nothing selfish or fearful or paranoid or, you know, rejection about this. The whole context of offering you this resource is that the scriptures urge Only those bonds that are created by Jesus Christ. Only those holy, beautiful, healthy bonds. And we're urged to preserve those. But the Scripture also warns that this capacity to bond in this broken world, with these broken people, all of us somewhere on our journey to wholeness but not there yet, oh my goodness, this capacity to bond forms all sorts of unholy ties, connections, covenants, bonds, that we must break by the cross of Jesus Christ. We must, in order to be free, love well, and most of all, be free to experience the intimacy of Jesus. Mm. Again, you shall know them by their fruit. Practicing breaking unhealthy ties, unhealthy bonds through the cross of Christ, the fruit of it in our ministry, in the lives of the people that we've counseled, has only and always been good and righteous and beautiful. It's been a deeper ability to love. It's been a deeper ability to walk with Christ. It's been freedom from compulsion, hatred, jealousy, envy. What more proof do you need? Mm. You shall know them by their fruit. Okay. I think that's going to be huge for you, friends. I really. Hope you enjoyed hearing our dear Craig again. I love hearing his voice again. And it was so good to have Stacy as part of this because I think women bring a perspective into this and have questions about this that she was able to speak to. So this was episode five in a multi-part series that we're doing on spiritual warfare. Next week, episode six will be on curses and blessings, the power of judgments, and how the victory of Christ, again, provides everything we need.